My sonic boom. Origin now confirmed. I know. <laughs> now we know, don't we? Do you want to hear it? It kind of is confirmed tonight. Yes, what? So there's a comment that came in from a student. I've never considered there's this a before. Comment? Yeah, a comment. <laughs> a comment it says, Thank you, Planet Monet. So I think I'm from the Planet Monet. <laughs> for doing such a great job at teaching. I love your class. I also love Roger Billings. Thank you. So I thought, you know what? Maybe I came from the Planet Monet. I like that. I have a new invention. Yeah? Yes, it's amazing. Yeah? And I'm so excited to tell you about okay. it. You know, uh, if you ever do invent something really exciting, be sure to let Lady, Lady Monet be one of the first people that you show it to. That's right. Yeah. Remember that. So, what aren't you going to ask me? Yeah. yeah, what is it? I, I thought you were just going to tell me, but I want to know all about it. It's nothing. What? You invented nothing. Yes. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Seriously. You invented nothing. Yes, I did. Are you going to tell me all about nothing? Yes. I want to hear fact, about nothing. What? If you would be well behaved, I would even show you nothing. You show me nothing? <laughs> okay. Posture. But maybe tell. before I show you, we should talk just a little bit about the science fair. Okay. Okay, but don't let me forget to. I won't. To tell you about my new <laughs> I won't. You know, the mm -hmm. science fair. It's uh, it's cold outside in it's Kansas City, outside. which means the seasons are turning, which means the science fair is coming. Da -da 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 -da. Do you remember how important science fairs were in my early history? Do you want to? Do you want to see what I won at the science fair? I do. What would you win? Well, first of all, let me show you how I won it. I would like to introduce you. Back in the days when there was only black and white, <laughs> there he was, mm. 375P, that mm -hmm. would be me, and my hydrogen engine. Wow. Look at that smile. Yeah, boy. Ooh. I like it. Really, really smiling. <laughs> and I want to show you a certificate that I got at the International Science Fair because I won the local fair, then I went to the International Fair. And this is the certificate from the International Science Fair. It's called the Gold and the Silver Award. And there I am. Look at that. Look at that mm -hmm. title. I've never noticed that before. Overcome, International Science no. Fair. Overcoming <laughs> Automobile Pollution, Hydrogen Fuel. Yeah, it's interesting wow. that my goal was about being able to have no global warming, no pollution. That's amazing. Way back then, a lot of people said, well, you weren't thinking about that back then, were you? Well, there's proof I right said, there. <laughs> I don't uh, remember. <laughs> okay, but anyway. So, what about your science fair projects, and what are you going to do? And, and I, I want to give you a little bit of coaching on that uh, today. You know, a good way to 
to understand how to win the science fair and win in the game of life with inventioneering is to talk about golf. <laughs> golf is my kind of sport because I found out that on a golf course, I can get a record high score. It's kind of funny. All right, well, <clears throat> you know, golf is where they, they hit that little ball and, uh -huh. and they try to get it in a hole. Yeah. And if they were a little smarter, they would start a lot closer to the hole. <laughs> but they start way, way, way back. And they put this little stick in the ground. Yeah. And that's to save the grass. And then they put the ball on it. It's called a tee, okay? And, and usually they have golf gloves, you know, yeah, fancy do. gloves. Mm -hmm. And then they take the golf club and they hit the ball. Let me show you. So here's the tee. Here's the ball. You put the ball there. This iron is not what you'd normally tee off with. Usually when you tee off, you've got a big, heavy wood club that's got a lot of weight because the hole is so far away. And it'd be a lot easier if you just start closer to the hole. But, but they get really upset when you do that. Anyway, <laughs> so then you hit the ball, and the goal is to get it in the hole. Now, at every hole in the golf course, and there's usually like, you know, on a whole golf course, like there's 18 holes. Mm -hmm. Every hole has a name, and the name's like one, <laughs> hole two, hole three, hole four. And every hole has a par. Now, I didn't know what a par was, so I had to learn that. They have a little sign, and this says, hole number three, this is a par four hole. And some are par three holes. And what that means is, if you're a really good golfer, you can get the ball in the hole with just hitting it three times. And so if it's a par three hole and it takes you four times to get it in, then you shot one over par. If you get it exactly at three, then you're shooting right at par. And if you're like some of these Tiger Woods guys, then you get in in two strokes, then you're one under par. Okay, and they keep track of your score that way. And uh, it's the whole game is played upside down because you want to have fewer strokes instead of more strokes, and it took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> but uh, the idea is, so you hit the ball, and you want it to go in the little hole. Right. Now, just take a look at this angle. This is from the hole's point of view. Okay, yeah. there it comes, there it comes. And for some reason, the science is still trying to understand, quite often the ball would stop right there, <laughs> which was just discouraging. Some people get playing golf and they get so caught up in it that it becomes super important to them. I, I mean, they become fanatics, <laughs> golf fanatics. Mm -hmm. um, they call them golfers. But anyway, <laughs> they get very, very, very fanatic about it. And, and there was this guy that uh, he just loved golf and he, he would work, he would live his whole life so that he'd get to go play golf. And one day, he took time off work to go play golf with his friend, Joe. And uh, his associate had to, had to cover for him, had to keep everything going in the office. And so when this golfer got back to the office 
friend that had been covering everything says, so how did it go? How did it go? And he said, yeah, it wasn't that great. Hmm. He said, you went and played golf and it wasn't that great? No, it wasn't that great. What happened? He says, well, I was playing with Joe. And Joe had a heart attack and died on the third oh, hole. <laughs> and he says, and after that, it was hit the ball, drag Joe. Oh. Hit the ball, <laughs> drag Joe. That's what you call panic. Some people call them ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> but, a game you know, not in the middle of a game, right? <laughs> but uh, there is something really, really, really interesting about, uh, about golf that helps us learn about the science fair. Yeah. If you set up your tee and put your ball on it and you look down there where the hole is way, 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 way at the other end, you get a great big heavy club so you knock the ball a long ways and you, you hit the ball, what is the chance the ball will just go land right in the hole? <laughs> Not very good. That's called a hole in one. Everybody's heard about it but not very many have done it. In the first place, most golfers can't hit a ball far enough to get to the hole in one hole because it's that far and it's hard to hit a golf ball that far. But for the ones that can hit that far, it's hard to hit it right where the hole is. You know, maybe, maybe you can get down the green, but quite often that doesn't end. The green's the grass around the hole, right? Just for people from your planet. <laughs> so when you go to play golf, you do not expect to just hit the ball and get a hole in one. You realize you gotta keep trying and trying. People try for days and months and years to be able to finally get that hole in one. And when you do, it's kind of like a science project because you get an idea and so you try your idea, and the chance you're going to get a hole-in-one is very, very rare. Mm -hmm. And so many people think they should. I got this great idea. I tried it, and it didn't work. Yeah. And Edison said, remember how many different things he tried for a light bulb filament? Mm -hmm. And they, they used to say, you're crazy. I mean, you've tried a thousand things and nothing Work. You didn't learn anything. He says, yes, I did. I learned a thousand things that don't work. Mm -hmm. That's true. But in a science project, you have to realize that you're probably not going to get a hole in one. That's rare. And so plan for it. That's how you achieve success in science and in entrepreneurship and in careers. So inventioners are trained that you figure it out. Instead of just hitting the ball or, or charging off on your experiment, it's good if you first run the experiment in your mental laboratory, the one that I hope all of you are developing. The ability to achieve great science is often determined by whether or not you can do experiments in your head. And it is really, really amazing that in a laboratory, if you get a better microscope, you get a better Bunsen burner, a better heater, better stir, you get better equipment, you get better results. Well, you're building that laboratory in your brain, and as you get experience and develop that experience by doing experiments, you're more able to predict what's going to happen when you try something. And as you get good at that, 
you can save a lot of time. It's like if you were a golfer and you're going to go out and you're going to hit the ball and you think, okay, I'm going to hit it, and then you run it in your head, oh, too hard. So you soften back a little bit because you can know what you're going to do and you can adjust. But plan on spending some time, taking a little bit of time, okay? Okay. Um, There is a golf story that probably shouldn't be told. I believe you. But as as the inventor, the original inventor of nothing. I know. I'm still wanting to hear about this. What do I have to lose? Okay, tell us. How many of you want to hear it? They want to hear it. Well, I wonder if if anybody here has ever heard of phantom football. You know, there's a phantom football league. Mm-hmm. And you have your players, and and you can choose them from different teams and that, and then they play phantom football by how they do. See who's well. What if you could do phantom golf? Seriously, what if you had a uh, a phantom golf team, and you could play the game, and and you're sitting up here and you control everything. So you choose your player, and he gets to tee off and, and all that stuff. But since you're like the, you know, the golf king, you get to decide what happens. Does he make this putt or does he miss? You even have the voice for it. Yeah, you could. <laughs> you notice when they're playing golf, he answer. And now everyone gets very quiet as he's ready to putt. <laughs> <clears throat> Keep going. Well, so let's suppose that uh, in your phantom golf world, uh-huh. You you make it more interesting by putting players into play golf from different backgrounds. You know, mailman, milkman, engineer, scientist, all these different people, and you're controlling it. And when they hit the ball, you get to say, "Hey, miss! Oh, that one went in the pond. <laughs> That's in the sand trap." And you're doing all those things. Are you with me so uh-huh. far? I'm with you. On so this. you're here. It's like you're looking down, watching this golf game, and. Like the old Greek gods used to do. You look down there, you know, <laughs> kids. Well, did he really? So then there's this one guy, and you know, let's let's make this a real interesting story. Let's say this guy is some preacher. Okay. You know, he he, he preaches, and um, he's a naughty preacher. And so it was supposed to be church day, and All instead of going to church, he sneaks out to play golf. And this is all imaginary, and you're looking at this, and you think, bad preacher, bad preacher, I'm going to punish him. So you talk to your co-worker, hello, Lady Monet, what do you think we should do to teach this guy a lesson? No, I have and Lady Monet says, I have an idea. Let me run it. So she takes the control, and the preacher knocks the ball, and it's short of the hole, but Lady Monet turns up the dial, and the ball goes up further and lands right in the hole. Why'd you do that? Now he's going to miss church every week to play golf. He said, oh, no, he's not. <laughs> yes, he is. He's going to go to, guess what? I got a home one. He said, no, he's not. Mm-mm. He's not. I said, well, why is he not? Said, well, he's going to go back to church. And he's going to tell him, guess what happened? Guess what happened? He said, what? I, said, I can't tell you. <laughs> that <laughs> can't would be so him. hard. Can you imagine getting a home one not being able to tell anybody? No, I can't. Well, I, can't. I invented nothing. And now I can't tell anybody. 
No, that's not how the story goes. <laughs> you said you. It's were because we're out of time. We have a full 18 minutes. Okay, so let's get back to the science fair then. Oh, you, know, you told me to. So you have to get an idea. Okay. And while some of you are just starting to develop your mental laboratories, you can, you can try things out. And remember, if you're an inventioneer, your mental laboratory has to be longer than just for a regular scientist. A regular scientist says, will this experiment work? I put this and this together, will it blow up? That's enough for them. But for an inventioneer, you have to do, when I try this experiment, will it work? And if it does, will anybody want one? Will it matter? Because inventioneers have to invent things that really have some utilitarian value. Just ordinary scientists, they don't have to. All you have to do is, I made it work. So what? I don't know so what. <laughs> and that's how they come along and they get all these inventions and then inventioners come in and say, oh, look what I could do with that. And we take science all the way to the bank. I like that slogan right there. <laughs> all the way to the bank. Mm -hmm. So coming back then, we have to look at projects. And in your mental laboratory, you have to say, you know what? I think I could make a car that would run on water. Now, a lot of people have said that. A lot of people have thought that. And uh, we're still looking for one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have a, a very up-close personal story in my own life. You know, I built the hydrogen car in high school, got a little bit of publicity. And then later on, um, my wonderful father-in-law told me at Sunday dinner one day, guess what? There's a guy that has made a car that'll go 100 miles on a gallon of gasoline. And uh, all of us guys at work are, are going to invest in it and own part of this, this new company, this technology. And he said, goes 100 miles on a gallon of gasoline? Yeah, yeah, it does. I said, wow. I kind of like to invest in that. Can I invest too? He says, well, I'll check. I'll ask the guys and see. So he came back next week and he says, well, actually, um, I asked the guy that told me about it and then he introduced me to the guy that told him and he introduced me to the guy that told him. And it turns out as we got back a few layers in the story that it wasn't 100 miles on a gallon of gasoline. It was 100 miles on a gallon of hydrogen. And it actually turned out to be your company. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. True story. True story. <laughs> kind of interesting. But it, it is fun if you can do a science project that demonstrates a principle, does something really neat. But if you're interested in doing a project like an inventioneer, then you need to also think about, so if my theory turns out to be true, is there a way that it can be utilized? And think about the utilization. I have done that for so long in so many ways that whenever I get a new idea for an experiment, I go all the way to the commercialization stage. And it, it's not necessarily to make money, it's like a cellus. A lot of inventions are in a cellus that make it a learning accelerator. Not to make money, but to make it make smart inventioneers. And that's 
kind of exciting. I hope you're seriously thinking about your science fair projects. And there's so many things. I know some students that are starting to investigate hydrogen water. One student is doing an experiment to see if hydrogen water helps plants grow better. Another student is wondering if hydrogen water will remove chlorine from drinking water. So we put chlorine in our drinking water so that we don't get any bacteria in the pipes. And when you get a glass of water and you drink it, what happens if you use that same water, put it in your fish bowl, and then you put your fish in? If you just put them in, it'll kill the fish overnight. So we either have to let the water sit for a day so chlorine goes away, or we have to put a chemical in to get rid of the chlorine. I wonder if the hydrogen bubbles would get rid of that chlorine, or at least the student wonders that. And if it does, then when we're drinking water every day, that little bit of chlorine, if it's killing fish, it's probably killing cells inside our body. Wouldn't it be nice if you have the chlorine keep the pipes clean, and then when it gets to your house, you're ready to drink it, you run it through your hydrogen generator, maybe it'll make it go away. So we're looking at things that are going to tell us about science, but then if it does, what can we do with that? How could it be utilized? So much of an inventioner starts with hearing about an invention, a breakthrough in science. We have all of the basic foundational research scientists all over the world working on little teeny things. Sometimes one experiment might take them 10 or even 20 years to perfect the experiment and be able to run it. And they learn, yep, it did, and they write a big paper. Well, we read the paper and say, wow, so what can we do with that breakthrough? Like these nanotubes, can you reach me that nanotube over there? The nanotubes that Johnny was talking about are absolutely amazing. Nanotubes could change our world so much if we just knew how to make them. Hey, that's fun, get a blue background, there you go. If we could, just could figure out how to make nafion, excuse me. That was fun. Nanotubes. Hydrogen only. Yeah. If, if we could, we could do many, many, many amazing things. The properties are just spectacular. But we've got to learn how to make it, and we've got to learn how to commercialize it. There are so many billion-dollar ideas that are going to come out of, of nanotechnology, of of carbon atoms. This is the same carbon that's in pencil lead. It's the same carbon that diamonds are made out of. And now just by making it so thin, this is like graphite, just one atom thick. It's hard to make it that thin. Do you know how the original scientists got it as thin as they could so they could show that this would work? They took lead and they scribbled and then they picked it up with a piece of scotch tape. So the, the graphite was on the scotch tape. And then you know how you can fold it over and stick it together? They did that, then they pulled it apart. They stuck it together, they pulled it apart, and they did that. Don't scientists have anything to do? <laughs> and after they did a whole bunch of times, they kept making it thinner and thinner and thinner. And finally, they got such a thin layer of carbon that it was getting close to like 100 atoms thick. It isn't as good as one thick, but it's close they could do. Then they took the scotch tape and dissolved it in a solvent and got this little see-through piece of stuff out, which was, guess what it was? What? What's it called? 
this thin sheet of material. Graphene. Yeah. I think they call it graphene because it's made from graphite. It's just one layer thick. And they were able to observe these amazing pro properties. If you could make it just one atom thick and do it in a viable way, you would have a material that would completely change our world. It has potential for doing so many things. So science fair, beware, here we come. <laughs> you need to get used to thinking about the stuff that's coming forth out of science and putting it to work. Yeah, the Institute of Science and Technology, Inventioneering, the birthplace of Inventioneering, mm -hmm. which is the science of putting science to work. So scientists all over the world make an interesting invention, discovery, breakthrough. They see something that surprises them. We look at it and we say, I wonder what I could do with that. We have all the fun. <laughs> Don't we? Uh -huh. Are you going to show me your invention? I didn't. I invented nothing. No. I told you that. You told me that. And then you said you were going to show it to me. You want me to show you nothing? <laughs> I do. Well, stand back. Oh, <laughs> okay. You really want to see nothing? I do. You kind I'm, of put me on the spot now. You said I could see it. Well, all right, then. <laughs> As it turns out, <clears throat> I'm going to need a little bit of... <laughs> yeah. Where in the world did you get this? You invented that? I got it from nowhere. <laughs> you have nothing from nowhere. <laughs> And it's real, look at that. It's, it's, it's all like matter of perspective. You know, if you could go play <laughs> golf, perfect. if you could go play golf, and you could look at the hole way down there, and you pull your stick back, and you stop right there. You don't even swing. Uh -huh. And the ball goes in, that's a perfect shot. <laughs> <laughs> You're so clever, and it is. <laughs> Look at that, it's nothing, it's all for nothing. It's better than something. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, well, anyway. Right now, your invention is nothing. That's what you've all invented, and it's nothing because you haven't finished. Mm -hmm. And so you better get your golf gloves or whatever you have on your hands and go out and get to work on these science fair projects. When you do, you're embarking on an adventure that will give you enjoyment and fulfillment for the rest of your life. And it's, it's just really exciting. A lot of people will walk by an idea day after day, and then one person will come walking by and see that same idea, same breakthrough, and they will say, I know what to do with that. And I know how to do it. And they will change the world. And we will have all of these amazing, amazing things. I'd just like to finish today remembering my old friend, Steve Jobs. OK, full disclosure, I never met Steve. <laughs> but I did. I mean, 
the very, very first computer show in California that's pretty famous where they unveiled their little Apple computer that was hooked mm -hmm. up to a TV and they played video games was a show where I launched the Billings computer. Same show. I was there. And I saw Steve Jobs. I didn't formally get introduced to him. And there he was. And uh, wouldn't it have been amazing to have realized how much that person would impact the world? He was just a kid. And you got to remember that it was in that same year that I became acquainted with Bill Gates and actually sat on his bed in his apartment <laughs> as we worked out our big deal for the first year of Microsoft. And these were both people, like you are people. And they went on to take their ideas and to make things happen. And I want to be what John talked about, a catalyst to your career. A catalyst, according to chemistry, is a substance that makes a reaction take place without getting involved in the reaction. So the catalyst never gets used up, but it just keeps the reaction going. In a hydrogen fuel cell, the catalyst is platinum. Without the platinum, you can't make the hydrogen. There's a threshold, and platinum makes that threshold not stop the reaction. So I want to be a catalyst. I want to catalyze you to greatness. It's fascinating when you hear the stories of people like Bill Gates and like Steve Jobs and like Isaac Newton and so many others. There were things that happened in their life, quite often other people, that inspired them to think about the thing that they eventually did. I, I would really like to be a catalyst. And the fact that I get to sit on this stage, it's a stage. with this amazing inventioneer <laughs> who has actually invented something, <laughs> is such an honor. And where do I get my fuel? Well, I, I fuel my car with hydrogen, but I fuel my energy to do what I'm doing by the power of realizing that I might be changing the world by catalyzing you and your potential in your future. So don't let me down. I'm counting on you. Do something great. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you.